Welcome to the Hollywood Editing Mentor Podcast. My name is Joaquin Elizondo and I edit films and scripted TV shows in Hollywood. I created the Hollywood Editing Mentor Program to help aspiring editors start or advance their careers in post-production. I don't have any training in coaching or some fancy degree in psychology. I'm just a guy who is relentless in pursuing his goals and wants to help people do the same. But I didn't achieve happiness and success in my career alone. Throughout the years, I've come across some amazing people that have offered valuable advice and guidance. That's why I created the Hollywood Editing Mentor Program, to help people navigate the path to achieving their career goals. I've been in your shoes and gone through the same struggles. The challenges and fears on this journey are real. And I want to tell you, it is possible. And it's so great to hear that music once again And it's great to be here with you As we start season 3 And the 20th episode Of the Hollywood Editing Mentor Podcast It's been about a year since this all started And I want to thank you for all your support And for helping me grow this amazing community It's been so nice hearing how much This program and this podcast Has helped so many aspiring editors around the world And I'm just going to keep doing more episodes With successful post-production professionals Creating more informative content and tutorials And hosting live networks events so you can connect with other members of this awesome community. So just a quick update on what I've been up to. I was editing on a scripted limited series for Nat Geo called The Hot Zone Anthrax and that was great. Look for that to premiere on Thanksgiving weekend. Some of you might remember that I injured my shoulder a couple of months ago but it's healthy again and I'm back to doing the workouts that I love like strength training and boxing. And thank you to everyone that reached out to me to share their experience with shoulder pain and tips on how to get better because yeah the pain was pretty unbearable. I'm also back to doing one-on-one mentoring sessions, which I really enjoy. I always love meeting new people and finding ways to help them achieve their goals. So if you're interested in these private one-on-one mentoring sessions, go to hollywoodeditingmentor.com mentoring and send me a message using the contact form on that page. All right, so enough about me. My guest today is editor Amy Duddleston, ACE, who has over 30 years of experience in feature and television picture editing and most recently received two Emmy nominations for her work on HBO's Mayor of Easttown. Starting out as an apprentice editor, she made her way up to assistant editor working on films like My Own Private Idaho, Karina Karina, and To Die For. As an editor, she has cut 20 features, including High Art, Laurel Canyon, Elegy, and Gus Van Sant's remake of Psycho, as well as nearly 80 hours of television on series such as Dexter, The Killing, Vita, Hunters, and most recently, Mayor of Easttown. In this episode, Amy and I talk about the role persistence plays in launching and maintaining an editing career. It's no mystery that it can be challenging to break into this industry, but if we believe it's possible, immerse ourselves in our goals, tune out any external distractions, and just stick with it, we will achieve our dreams. Amy also points out how 80% of success in this industry is having good communication and a positive attitude. While she has always been good at her job, it's these social skills that have opened up a lot of opportunities for her. Other topics Amy and I will be discussing is how Amy got jobs when she first landed in LA by cold calling, the importance of finding a mentor, the difference between working in film and scripted television editorial, how saving money and managing our finances can help us with our editing career, tips for cutting dark or disturbing scenes, and of course, we'll talk about Amy's experience editing Mayor of Easttown, and she'll also share her biggest piece of advice for those trying to break into film and scripted television editing in Hollywood. A lot of the advice Amy shares are things I applied on my own journey to Hollywood, and I can tell you from experience, it works. I mean, Amy's been doing this for over 30 years, so she knows a thing or two about this industry. Definitely pay attention, guys, and take plenty of notes. There's tons of great information in this one. It's so great to be back, guys, so here we go with episode 20 of the Hollywood Editing Mentor Podcast with Emmy-nominated editor Amy Duddleston, ACE. Very excited to kick off season three here of the Hollywood Editing Mentor Podcast with an amazing guest, Amy Duddleston. ACE is here with us. Amy, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Good. I'm so good. And thank you for having me, Joaquin. Well, it's, a, it's an honor to have you here. And congrats on your double Emmy nomination for, for your work on Mayor of Easttown. How was that day when they announced the nominations? Crazy. Like, I, how do you get nominated twice? I was like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, I woke up early and I was nervous, you know, because I was just nervous for the show because we wanted it to get recognized, of course. It's like, I mean, already the recognition we got for the show was exciting because we just never thought people would respond to it the way they did. But um, it just, you know, they don't announce it. You have to, like, wait for the PDF to get, like, released. So it's like you're watching, like, them 
you know, announce like the show and Kate Winslet. And then it's like, you're supposed to like find the PDF. It's so, <laughs> <laughs> just like trying, you know, and people are texting you and you're like, okay, hold on. <laughs> and, uh, and when it came, you know, or when the thing came up, it was like, oh my God, you know, there were two slots and it was like, I couldn't believe it. I, I was, I, I was in shock. I was just shocked. Yeah, was well deserved. Uh, I love the show, and we're definitely going to get into it later on in this conversation. Uh, I want to hear all about that experience. Uh, but you know, first I want to start off. You know, uh, hearing your kind of origin story, how you got into editing, and, and how you began your career in, in, in film editing in, in Hollywood. I understand you kind of went to the film route and then went kind of the, the TV route. So I want to hear all about that. You know, I got interested in editing when I was a college kid. Um, I read an article. I mean, a lot of people know this story, but it's like I read an article about Dee Dee Allen, um, who is a famous film editor, and it was in the New York Times Magazine. And I was just like doing research for literally like an English paper about I can't even remember what it was about. It was, you know, but it was like I stumbled on this thing. It was kind of like one of those weird like, oh, your moment of (laughs) (laughs) this is it meant to happen to me. Um, and I saw this picture of this woman doing this job that looked fascinating. It was like she had film reels and there was film everywhere. And she just looked, you know, her nose, her glasses were down on her nose, you know, and uh, she just looked really cool. And um, and so I read the article and it just like that job just sounded so fascinating. I just thought, well, this person, you know, I was a film. I was. I was a fan of filmmaking. Like I grew up, like my mom was a film buff and took me to all kinds of films. So I just never knew like how things were made. Like I knew there was a director and a producer and there were actors and I just didn't know like how any of it came together. And um, so that was just learning about editing. It was like, well, that's where they make the movie. Like that's where they make things. So that sounds really interesting. Cause I, you know, so I just kind of, um, I was, I think I was studying like journalism or something. And uh, my school had a film program. It was very small, but uh, I changed my major, you know, much to the chagrin of my parents. And, uh, <laughs> but they let me, you know, they gave me their blessing sort of. Um, but, you know, my dad's famous quote is, how are you going to find a job doing that? Um, <laughs> so, um, uh, and I just kind of pursued it like that. I mean, I it, once I started in the film program, editing was like the most interesting thing to me. It was, um, I just liked how I was kind of by myself dealing with things in my head and and with the film itself and solving problems and puzzles. And it it just became like... A great place for me. And because I didn't enjoy being on the set, I didn't enjoy dealing with actors that way. I, it's like cinematography. I, it's like math to me. So it's, <laughs> it was just, it, I was like, I just like the editing room. People leave you alone. Um, so there was that. And then uh, also when I was in college and I was a, a full fledged film student, um, a production came to my campus and started filming. It was Revenge of the Nerds. They used our campus to shoot the film on. And I was like, you know, 18 or something. And they kind of had a little contest to find interns to work in, you know, all the departments for the college, because it was like the college asked them, you know, if you're going to shoot here, you're going to give back to our community, basically, and which is kind of crazy for the 80s. I mean, who knew they did that? But I guess they did that and give our kids some opportunities. So um, I got a slot in the editing room. And that really was uh, for three weeks, I was an intern and they even paid me. Wow, that's, that's a I great know, opportunity. That <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, they didn't want, you know, liability and all that. Um, I even got paid, which was awesome. I probably got like $800 for like three weeks. It was awesome. That was a lot of money. Um, and uh, I learned a lot. And I learned that this is really where I want to be because it was like we were doing dailies. I mean, I couldn't, because it was a union show, there were only so many things I could do, but I could make boxes. I could organize trims. I could, you know, kind of just do little things. I could, of course, carry all of the dailies to when they screen them, you know, things like that. And uh, 
it was just really fun. And I really enjoyed that experience. And so after I got out of college, I pursued, um, I moved, I went to college at the University of Arizona. And I, that was, I grew up in Tucson too. So it was like where I grew up. And um, my mom worked at the university. So I got to go for cheap. Um, <laughs> get the, get the friend, friends and family discount. <laughs> cheap is good. And uh, I moved to New York after that because I thought, well, I want to work in like the independent film world and maybe there are more opportunities there, which I was wrong. Um, it's just like a very uh, insulated environment. And there weren't that many people making films. There was like Jim Jarmusch and Spike Lee and like a few other people, but it really wasn't like a giant burgeoning film industry. And so I had some friends in Los Angeles that were like, you should come here and, and see if you can make it work. And I was like, okay. And LA, you know, I did, I moved here and it felt a little more like home. It was, it was, it, I, I took to it pretty quickly and how I got started in Los Angeles. Um, I, you know, tried getting jobs as an apprentice editor and, um, which I had done a little bit in New York, but mostly I had ended up doing like a lot of PA jobs in New York, uh, just on like various things and then like worked in offices. So when I came to LA, I I was very determined to like work in editing. Um, and I made a lot of cold calls to people and, uh, I started getting jobs that way. And then as soon as you get one job and you do a good job, the ball starts rolling. And it's like somebody says, hey, I'm looking for an apprentice. And they're like, well, I had this apprentice. She was great. And she worked for free. And you should pay her. You know? <laughs> and I did. And I worked for free, sadly, you know, too long. But, um, well, I don't know. I mean, there were other people who worked for free for too long, too. But um, it's how I did it. You know, I saved up a bunch of money and I just took a chance. I mean, it sounds like you did everything right. I mean, it's everything that I talk about in this mentorship program. I mean, you checked off all the boxes. <laughs> I mean, seriously. Well, that's good. Good. <laughs> yeah. You and know? as you can see, and, and then here you are, right? You're now. Here I am with my double Emmy nomination. It finally paid off. Yes, I'm in my, you know, <laughs> mid age. Uh, <laughs> but. It's, it is, it's like getting a career in Hollywood is persistence. I mean, it really is. It's nothing but persistence. It's you, you just, there's so many times when you want to give up so many times. And, uh, I, I can't picture myself doing anything else. I mean, I really can't. And, uh, but man, there have been times <laughs> where I'm just like, what else can I do? Oh, I mean, I, I, I understand. I thought about quitting several times, but I guess to me, it was just like, this is what I want to do. I don't yeah. have any, I don't have a plan B. I, would, I don't know what I'm going to do. <laughs> what is plan B? Yeah. No, but I, I think it, you're right. You need to have that drive, that determination, persistence. Like, I mean, that is what keeps you going. And I think uh, will eventually, you know, propel you in your career and help you break in yeah. and keep you advancing. But I, I mean, again, no, really, I mean, seriously, it seems like you just had the right mentality, the right mindset. It's true. And I mean, yeah, it's, and it's harder for women. I mean, you, you do have to prove yourself a lot harder. I mean, you really do. There's no doubt about it. So there was that. And um, I don't know, you know, I tried not to think about that as much and maybe that helped, but to a certain point, you're just like, you, you do see guys kind of cruising past you and you're like, wait, what, what, <laughs> you know, he was an apprentice when I was like at a first assistant and like, what happened? And it's like, well, okay. Yeah. He's a charming white dude. I don't know. It's like, whatever. I, I don't want to get into that, but it's like, you do just have to kind of um, keep pushing because it's like, you just, you cannot let that stuff get you down. I mean, and there were plenty of times where I was like getting angry and it just didn't, it didn't make sense. It really didn't. No, I totally understand. I mean, it's, it's so easy for us to get distracted from our goals, from say these kind of external influences. And it's important to, like you said, uh, to push through and, and keep the eye on the prize, right? Do you think as an assistant, and maybe now as an editor, I mean, like, I mean, you obviously knew what you were doing. Yeah. You had the technical skills. I mean, do you think people recognize 
that or, or was it more kind of like a softer skill, say maybe your communication, your personality, your attitude? You know, what do you think? I guess if you could break it down as percentages, like what do you think it was? I mean, definitely it's personality. It's like having a negative attitude towards like anything is like such a turnoff. You know, when you're given a task, you just do it. Like, yeah. <laughs> there are times where it's like people definitely have unrealistic expectations and there's like, there's no doubt about that. It's, it's, and you do have to be able to temper people's expectations. And that does take a lot of personality. Like, you know, you just can't say like, well, I don't know. And I'm going to, you know, get around to doing that, but it's, it's, you do have to kind of, <laughs> There is a finesse to like this job. You have to be able to communicate with people. I mean, truly, it is as a percentage, it is like 75% of your <laughs> Like I might, you know, 80% is communicating with people because like, and especially now, like with email and everything, like, you know, when I started out, it was like the phone and you're in person and that was it. And so now it's like you're slacking people and you're texting people and you're emailing people and nobody can figure out like wh what you're saying or it, there's such a like it's really complicated now and i do feel for assistance because you're inundated with so much stuff and now it's working from home it gets even more complicated and working from home it's even worse like like i would facetime with my assistant on mayor and just be like are you there yeah <laughs> And so says, are you there? Um, it was it really hard, really, really hard. Yeah. And being from home, it's like ridiculous. It's like, I just, you know, even on that little show that I was on for a tiny bit after Mare, just reaching out to the assistants and being in person and, and, you know, having drinks with them once was kind of a great thing to be able to do. Um, but yeah, just even having a Zoom uh, like once or twice a week was good. You know. Yeah, no, I'm meeting like you know people on my, on our team for the first time after like working on the show for I don't know how many months. I'm like I have never seen your face. Like this is the first time I've seen your face. It's crazy. No, it's insane. <laughs> it's crazy, and yeah. it's like, you know on Mayor, it's like I worked with the director twice in person, like twice. <laughs> you know, I, I love the technology. It's great, but I mean, yes, especially what I miss is collaborating with directors oh and producers, God. being in the same room. It is there's a difference. It's a huge difference. The communication, it's like, you know, luckily I'm mayor, I, and we can talk about this later, you know, we got it kind of streamlined during the the production hiatus, you know, we got like the whole Evercast thing worked out with like how we had a workflow so that when we actually went into like the official director's cut, like when everything with had finished shooting, um, you know, then we had a language already and that helped a huge amount but like yeah getting started it's painful so that's yeah communication like seriously it's just the way you communicate with people and it's so hard and just like you know the post team i think the producers and like the supervisor and the coordinator they're really you know out of the loop I mean, and it's, it's, it's sad because it's like, they usually just come to you in the room and ask you for stuff. And, and they, they really are like reduced to emails, like where like I'll have my assistants on Evercast. It's like, they don't, you know, they're like, can we just pop in to ask you something, <laughs> you know, and just like all the miscommunications and everything that happened with them. It's like, you really just have to like the amount of patience you have to have now is multitudes. It's just crazy but um different times for sure uh but we'll see we'll see if things are changing uh, you know yeah. we'll see what happens in the next couple of months no i know amy what would you say was your first big break early on in your career well you know it was one of the first like my cold call jobs where you know i met an assistant um who i don't even know if she's still working as an editor even more anymore but uh i she taught me everything i know gina gallo and she um she taught me so much stuff and she knew a lot of people. Like she had been an assistant like for several years already and she was trying to work her way up. And she had a friend who was looking for an apprentice and I had worked for free for Gina on this horror film. And, uh, and 
she put my name out there. And so that led to a job on this film, Prancer, a, a Christmas movie. And I got an apprentice, you know, a, a paid apprentice job. That was like my first big break. And then that led to an assistant editing job with um, the same editor. Like I, I kind of got bumped up to second assistant. And then that like, you know, it's like somebody knew somebody in that editing room and I got a call like, hey, Curtis Clayton is looking for somebody to come and help him on this movie. And Curtis Clayton had just cut Drugstore Cowboy. And so we were all kind of like, and Curtis needed somebody to come in and help like organize his cutting room because they had been on location and they had, you know, it was just kind of a mess. And so I came in and I just was like, oh yeah, sure. Okay. This and this and that and this. And, you know, I helped the first assistant and, uh, just made it efficient. And I, that was like a really big deal for me because it was like, I felt like I was fully capable of doing this job. Like I knew how to do everything. Like there were times before where people were just like, you know, Oh, I don't know. You should be an apprentice again. And <laughs> you know, like, but I knew how to do the work. And so that made me feel really, really good that I could just do these things and, not even like think about it. And, uh, and I was put in charge of somebody else, like there was an intern. And so that made me feel really good. And so Curtis asked me to come on to my own private Idaho in Portland, where he was going to be living for seven months. And so that, uh, that was a huge break. And that really kind of, that started my mentorship with Curtis, where I worked for him for several years as his assistant. And, uh, and that, and he, taught me everything I know about editing. Well, that's certainly great to hear. So can you talk about the importance of finding a mentor? It's hard. And I mean, I know it, it definitely um, these days, I mean, because I was so lucky like to come up during like the film time where, you know, assistants always had something to do. Like you rarely had, you know, free time. There was always like some awful task to do with like a bin of, you know, trims or <laughs> so, um, and you really needed to like communicate with the editor a lot. So, um, I feel really lucky that, uh, I was able to find Curtis, like Curtis and I found each other, but, um, for assistance now it is, it's a, it's a lot of just like putting in the dailies, organizing stuff. And so what I try to do as, as a mentor, and I think people just need to ask. I think people just need to ask their editors when they're working to, to come into their room. Because it's like, I try to like bring my assistants in, like when I'm doing notes or whatever, like, you know, especially when we were working in person, it's like my assistant was always in the room, like whenever the producer was in the room. And, and, and she was always invited to come in and watch me work. Like whenever, and it, like I would give the her scenes to cut and and thing and give feedback and and try to do that, but just ask, you know, don't be afraid to ask because if somebody says no, I'm not, you know, whatever. It's like do your job, try and move on. Who knows? Like find somebody else. If if you don't think this this person can mentor you, then you know maybe you're not a good fit with this person. But um, like, don't give up and just don't be afraid to ask because I, like, I don't care if somebody sits in my room. I mean, some people do, but I, you know, I want to be that person that helps another person because I had somebody who, you know, opened up the whole world to me and I would like to return that favor. So <laughs> absolutely, That's a, I agree with that. That's what we're doing here, right? I mean, yeah, totally. And, and uh, I mean, I assisted someone that assisted you so it, it, it just you, you pass it on yes right Garrett like right like Garrett he was great you know and he like I gave him scenes to cut and he was great and it was like go Garrett go you know and he wasn't my assistant for very long but he you know and we were in a weird situation where we were sharing like he was being shared by two other editors like that was a complicated the, the three the old three two situation that you know i think is finally banned but no i'm sure it comes up in some non-union absolutely <laughs> yeah. yeah but uh Ugh, never again. No, I mean, I think it's important. I think it's great you say that because I always tell people it's a, just you need to put yourself out there. You need to you communicate 
your your goals, what you're trying to do, yeah. whether you're trying to break into this industry or also say maybe getting bumped up. You just simply need to tell, hey, I, I, I'm looking to cut. Like, I want to cut. You need to tell people because yeah. you just can't assume that, for example, every assistant wants to cut. No, you can't. It's mm-hmm. like I have I have plenty of assistants who didn't really want to be editors, right. you know. But they found like visual effects editing and things like that. Like they found the things that they were really good at, and that that is special too. You know, it's just like visual effects editing is. I mean, it's something that assistants get stuck doing. But it's like it's you know, if you're really good at VFX, which I am not, and uh, yeah, it's like I I can always appreciate somebody who can. <laughs> Oh, it's like I could do like basic things like split screens and things like that. It's like, forget it. You want me to put this in this TV? Nope, you got this. I I, <laughs> I, I can't right now. And it's moving and no, forget it. <laughs> you fix the tracking things. It's yeah. like, <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. Uh, Amy, I mean, you, we kind of talked that you obviously started uh, working in film. Yeah. And then made your way into TV. Uh, can you just kind of elaborate on that a little bit on on, how, on that transition, and also just kind of maybe um, you know a lot of people ask me like, what's the difference between working in film and, and scripted TV? Um, it's a big difference. I mean, uh, film is a director-driven medium, and so you're really uh, as an editor, you are working with the director. It's like the director's vision. The director's editing, you know, the director cut, the director does the producer's notes. It's like the producer can be in the room, but it's like you're you're working with the director, you know, and that's that's on a good, you know, on a film wherever there's a good relationship. Um, it's just the director to the director. And then when you get into television, it's like the director has four days to work with you. And then the rest becomes like the showrunner, the showrunner. It's a, it's a writer showrunner realm in television. So when I, you know, I started in films and um, when I can't remember, it was like, I just remember HBO shows. They just seemed like so filmic to me. Like they were all edited like a feature. Like they were all very, it was not like, it was not television. It was HBO. Ah, the old thing. And it was kind of true because everything was just, everything took its time. They took the time telling the story. And so that was like, this is very interesting to me because it was not like a network television show where you had to like sell soap, as I used to say. It's like you're going to the next break, um, next act break, you're moving forward. So I was always, uh, I told, you know, I got an agent after I edited Gus Van Sant's Psycho. And, you know, and I worked for fi- in film for many years after that. And then in 2005, I got a job on Big Love, the first season of Big Love, um, which was an HBO show um, about polygamy, this polygamist family in Utah. And, uh, and Bill Paxton was in it. And it was like mind blowing how different it was. I had no idea about television. I had no idea when they explained like, okay, you get four days, you know, you, you, okay. So they're shooting this show in like eight days. It's an hour long and you get like two days after they finish shooting and then you got to turn it over. You're like, what? (laughs) (laughs) And then you get four days to work with the director and then you work with the producers. I'm like, wow, that is crazy. But it was really interesting and I really got into it. I, but what I really liked in TV at first was the amount of collaboration with like all the people um, that you're in there with three other editors and you can ask them questions like, well, what happens in your episode that like informs this thing that like happens over here and <laughs> that we were telling this long form story and it, it was really um, appealing and I really liked that, but I also, but I really loved like the atmosphere of the editing room in TV because it was just like a bunch of people and there was always something going on and um, it was really cool. And then after big love, you know, I ended up going back into film for a little bit. And, uh, and then in 2008, it was like when the stock market crashed, like all of the films that I was doing, like the 20 million, $15 million movies, they stopped making those. <laughs> like that was it. Everything going to be like these giant movies that I had no experience doing. And, uh, and I was competing with editors that like, I, you know, like Alan Heim and Lisa Churgan, like for little jobs at that point. And I'm like, well, 
I don't know. And I was unemployed for 18 months and it was frightening and uh, it was not fun. And TV came back around in the form of, uh, you know, my daughter was going to preschool. This is like another classic LA story of like, it's all the people, you know, Um, my daughter was going to preschool with, um, with two people, uh, kids uh, who became the showrunners of in treatment on HBO and uh, they're a filmmaker, a writer and an actor writer. And they hired me basically because they knew my situation and they were like, you should just, you know, come onto the show. And I was like, Oh, I love that show. Sure. I would love to do that. And, um, and that got me back on my feet and into television editing. (laughs) So at least I knew how things worked. Like, and and treatment was even weirder because it was a half hour. So it was like two days you get with the director. (laughs) I was like, wow, this is crazy. But, um, but being, it was an HBO show. It was just like, they just gave you the time to like do your work and you know, whatever. And uh, it was a great experience. And, Suddenly I started getting meetings on other shows. Um, the killing was the next thing that came after in treatment and it kind of took off from there. No, uh, it's great to hear. I mean, it's very interesting just to hear that uh, story. Sometimes out of these circumstances, it's just kind of like how we have to then, you know, pivot, right? Yeah. Do a, I mean, that's just what it is. It was necessity. I mean, it was necessity. I, I was like, like every film I interviewed for like fell apart, like the financing fell apart. It was like, you know, I ended up doing like this tiny thing for Netflix, but it was just like, I probably should have just stayed on unemployment. It was so much, <laughs> like, like it was the same amount of money. Um, <laughs> you know, it was like, wow. Um, and Netflix was just starting to like stream things. And so, uh, but they weren't even doing television shows. They were just starting to like, oh, we're going to have this movie and then you can rent it on Netflix and it's going to be crazy. It's like, wow. You know, and I mean, it wasn't like many, many years later that when I was working on Dexter, it was probably like five years later, maybe even a few, like, yeah, uh, when they started doing like Orange is the New Black and House of Cards. Yeah. So. Well, congrats again on your work on Mayor of Easttown and your double Emmy nominations, uh, one that you are sharing with Naomi Sunrise Filaramo. I really like to ask people always like, how did you get this gig, right? I am really interested. I mean, how did you get to work on Mayor of Easttown? Well, um, I'm finally at that place in my career where like HBO calls you up and says, we would like to bring you back into the fold. And I'm like, really? You know, because I have some friends who work over there um, that I had worked with previously on like other things. And so um, it's wonderful to like have people that want to, you know, bring you back in. And so I got a what they call a general meeting, you know, where you go over and you talk to like the entire post team at HBO and uh, and they tell you about like all the upcoming shows. And so um you know, they're like, well, we have this thing, Lovecraft Country, and it's like super sci-fi and gory and kind of cool. And we have this thing, Perry Mason, um, remake of the old show, and it's going to be really dark and beautiful and blah, blah, blah. And I had already like taken the job on Hunters. Like I was waiting, you know, for that to start. So I was like, well, that won't work and that won't work. And they're like, well, in the fall, we're going to have this thing, Mayor of Easttown. And I first thought they called it Mayor of Easttown. And it was like, Kate Winslet plays this cop. And I was like, oh, Kate Winslet. I was like, well, I will be available in the fall. So I was like, please tell the director, showrunner, you know, it was going to be one director. And and they were like, it would be really good because you have like that kind of like feature experience and, um, you know, how to deal with like, you know, he was a feature director. and, And so, you know, that just kind of led to, getting an interview um, with the director and and that kind of led to getting a job. So that was how it happened. What was your experience like uh, cutting this show once the pandemic hit? We started out in person, like it started in October, 2019 um, when I started. And uh, there was another editor on the show and we were, you know, he had like four episodes and I had three and we were working away and um you know, we went to Philadelphia a couple times to meet up with the director. So that was like the one, you know, one time I worked with him in person. 
<laughs> like there. And, uh, and then in March, you know, 13th, uh, everything shut down, our production shut down and they were like, well, it'll probably be like six weeks. We figured, you know, cause everybody else was saying two weeks and, and HBO knew better. And they were like, we're going to do this in six weeks. And we're like six weeks. Okay. Well, okay. And but we weren't sure like what was happening. Like we still had dailies left over from like the other day when they finished shooting and, and were they going to keep us on, you know, during this hiatus to like work or what was going to happen. And uh, what happened was they let the other editor go and asked me to take over the whole show. So in April, you know, at the beginning of April, um, I kind of jumped in and started re-editing the whole show and they were going to keep me and my assistant and the post PA on. Um, and I was going to, you know, recut the pilot and start just like start doing cuts. So I would recut like the whole episode and then I would work with the director and then I would work with the producer. And so we would be like, hey, okay, there's that one. It's in pretty good shape. And we just started going through all the episodes and uh, that was for six months. <laughs> It was not six weeks when we came back. And so from April to uh, the, I think it was, yeah, September was, you know, me re-editing the whole show and working with the showrunner and director and really kind of honing like the story basically. And, you know, it still had like a lot of holes. Like they, they hadn't shot any of the stuff with Guy Pierce yet. Like he literally showed up on the set the day they shut down. Um, <laughs> never, never mind, guys. Sorry. <laughs> so, like, we just went through, we flagged everything. There were a couple things that we took out, like, script things got re, you know, they had to reimagine them, like a concert that Siobhan was going to meet the girl Anne at became like Anne is a DJ at the college radio station. You know, things like that got reworked. Um, you know, uh, Frank and Faye's wedding got smushed out. It like things like that um, that weren't going to be possible during a pandemic. Uh, but production started ramping up. And so in September, they started shooting all of the things. There was about two months left to do um, stuff and they did it. And every day we were like, please don't shut down. Please don't shut down. Oh yeah. I remember. <laughs> and they, through it. And it was a miracle. I mean, truly it, they put them, they put the production crew in a motel, a hotel and everybody got tested like every day and wore masks and did the greatest job ever. And the show transformed. It was like all those holes finally had, you know, Guy Pierce and Mare's like relationship with Guy Pierce. And it was like a whole new thing. And so, yeah, like I said, um, Christmas Eve, uh, 2020, I turned over the editor's cut all over again. And, uh, yes, but I, but in that time when I was still doing like cuts, uh, I brought my friend Naomi Filaramo on to help me with the dailies as an additional editor, because I thought, you know, I'm going to need some help. This is not, you know, let's not kid ourselves. It's like, I can't do all of these things. And keep my sanity and so naomi came on and like did a lot of like heavy lifting with like assemblies and stuff and uh which was a godsend and so then uh after we turned over the director's cut she stayed on because hbo wanted their show in april and so it was like well I can't do that by myself. Yeah. That, that ain't happening. But <laughs> to like yeah. take over, you know, doing like cuts and stuff. So Naomi and I shared credit on three episodes and uh, she got bumped up and she got an Emmy nomination. An Emmy nomination. Wow. <laughs> That's awesome. That's great to hear. It's amazing and well-deserved because she really helped me. That's awesome. Congrats to both of you again. You know, one of the things I really enjoyed about the show is, you know, obviously it, it, I think it starts off as kind of being this murder mystery, but then it, yeah. I feel it then becomes more of a, a character's journey of self-growth yes. that I think I personally connected with. That's how we approached the show. It was like, it was like a family drama and this woman's drama with a murder mystery thrown in it. I mean, really. And so that's what I concentrated on during the editing, you know, because it's like, yeah, the whodunit will eclipse everything, but it's like, 
it's this other thing that people can relate to. Was that something that was kind of like came out through the edit? It's in the scripts. I mean, her personal journey is, was written and, uh, and Kate Winslet, like it was a lot of Kate Winslet just bringing like everything she had to that part. Like I, you know, it was a thrill to like edit her dailies. Well, I can't even tell you, but it was, it was like that. And, and definitely in the edit, we, we developed her journey a little bit more like Brad Inglesby. He liked, you know, little montage, like his big thing too, was getting a sense of the town and making sure that we understood like the town and like what it, like all of those like B-roll things of like, just like the shots of the town and Mare driving and like her inner life. That was a lot of Brad, just like making little montages to get you to the next thing. And uh, that was really fun. Um, and, and yeah, her inner journey took shape a little bit more in editing, you know, instead of just uh, we did kind of develop little things like that, but it really was on the page. <laughs> most and in Kate Winslet's performance. I also really enjoyed how, like, the humor aspect that was incorporated into the series, especially with uh, uh, Mare's mother, Helen. <laughs> There's some really funny scenes, <laughs> moments. Really funny moments. And those were, like, gold, you know? It's, like, so funny. She's hilarious. And so we definitely tried to develop that because it just makes the show special. Like, it is, it's it's a very dark drama in so many ways. And, and but, you know... Every day is not like depressing. It's like if you in real life, it's like there's, you know, you always hope for there's going to be a laugh somewhere. And it's like Helen was just such a character. And Brad like wrote these. He knew those people like this is how he grew up. He grew up in a house filled with women who were just constantly like sniping at each other and and cracking wise and <laughs> telling their moms to F off. <laughs> And Sheen Smart is brilliant, you know? She just is. Speaking of, uh, you mentioned, you know, obviously there's a, it's been a, a dark drama. I mean, some dark moments in there. I have a, actually here a question from uh, one of the uh, Hollywood editing mentor, a community members, Chris Kobe. He said he's currently editing a short film with some intense scenes. He wants to know if you're cutting a scene that is particularly dark or intense, do you adjust your approach in any way? Any advice for cutting a darker, maybe disturbing scene? Oh, yeah. Play it all up. Play up the darkness. <laughs> it's like, crank it up. You no, know, crank it up. Like really, I have this. I you know my own personal like thing is to like dial it back, and I'm always getting caught. Like the director's like, "Come on, Amy, turn it up to 11. Just like you know, I'm always just like, "Oh, I just need to make it more subtle." And you know what? It's like I finally learned. Just like turn it up. Like that whole scene at the end of episode five, like Naomi was the one who actually put it together from the dailies. She created the roadmap and, uh, and put in all this great temp music and everything. And yeah, it was, it was like 17 minutes. So we had to like, <laughs> like make it like half of that. Um, but it was all there and she just didn't, you know, hold back and that was the thing it's just like don't hold back it's just just do it you know that's the thing it's just like if it's dark just go dark and then you can chip away out you know it's editing it's just like it's me going no just put more in now <laughs> yeah, i think it's like negotiating your rate right go up just go up and then you know we'll work it can start only there. go down <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> can and will only go down totally well uh we'll leave that conversation for another episode uh, but obviously this show was a hit a lot of memes came out of this what's up with this dog of east town with dog own, of east town with his own twitter handle just tell us what that's all about that was another naomi thing where she found that dog like carrying that bag of trash or whatever the fuck it was i have no idea was it like his own poop i have no idea <laughs> anyway, like i saw it in the b-roll i was like oh yeah look at that dog oh it's great and you know and i naomi just jumped on it and so dog of east town was born and uh she kept it you know she was like this is this is this one is my ride or die i it has to stay in <laughs> And it was a brilliantly captured thing, you know, yeah. that unit caught it. So, I mean, it's just like one of those things. It's like, look, that dog, 
It's carrying a bag. <laughs> so many memes, so many things. I mean, we were kind of, we were so shocked at the response of the show because, you know, you work on something for so long. You have no idea. Like, I mean, I'm like editing this thing in my dining room and I have like no idea. Like my family didn't watch it. You know, my wife watched like the pilot, but, um, you know, it's like you have no idea like how people are going to react to anything. And so when we released the first, you know, the first five episodes we gave to the press and the response was like, you know, they started doing the press junket work and, and, you know, Brad and, and Craig and everybody came back and they were like, everyone was really enthusiastic. And I was like, Oh, well, that's good. That's good to hear. You know, we'll get some good reviews, I hope. And uh, like the first review that came out was from the New York Times and it was awful. And we're like, oh, well, boo hoo. (laughs) 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 But then I like started picking up steam and um, we had no idea that people would react to the show the way they did. Like really, I think, you know, the way it rolled out like every week, that definitely helped it became just like the talk of like water cooler, you know, the, the virtual water cooler, AKA Twitter. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it just took off from there and people telling their friends, you've got to watch the show and blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, my mother-in-law told me that like the person at Verizon was telling her, you get HBO max for free. And there's this really great show, Mayor of East town that you should watch. She's like, yeah. I've heard of it. Yeah. Everybody. (laughs) (laughs) That's the thing, but you never, with these things, I mean, you just, no one knows. No one knows. You just don't know. You know, it's like, so that was intensely gratifying just to have the reaction to the audience. And then it was like the Emmy nominations were just like the icing, you know, cake because it's like, yeah, our show had the fortunate timing of coming out just before that. So, um, you know, it was great. But uh, now it's time for a nice break. <laughs> Enjoy break. the summer. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, Amy, yeah, I mean, awesome show. I mean, awesome work. And I encourage everyone to watch Mary Easttown, obviously on HBO Max. Check it out. Uh, Amy, I want to be respectful of your time. So just have one more question. Sure. Uh, based on your experience, what piece of advice can you share with those listeners that are trying to break into the world of film and scripted TV editing in Hollywood? Just don't give up. I mean, if it's your dream, it's like you just have to keep, you just have to be persistent. It's like, save your money, like save your money. Like that was, you know, that was when I was becoming like an editor coming from an assistant, it was just like, I just saved up as much money as I could. And I did like jobs for free jobs for next to nothing, you know, and I lived off of my savings for almost three years. Really? I mean, I got like little paying jobs here and there, you know, unemployment is your friend and save up your money. Like don't, don't spend all your money. Um, don't buy a house. Um, <laughs> 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 uh, it was, it, that was, you know, I was noticing it's just like my last job as an assistant, you know, I was finally like on studio films and I was making a lot of money as an assistant editor and, uh, and I just socked it away. And I was seeing like my, my, you know, my peers and they were like buying houses because they had a big down payment. And, you know, some of them were very smart because it's like my friend's houses now are millions of dollars, but it's like, (laughs) they also struggled because then it's like, then they had their mortgage payment and then they had this thing like kind of hanging over their head. Um, and maybe they didn't become editors as soon as they wanted to. Um, so it, there, there are, there are like all kinds of things that you kind of have to take into account, but it's like, just don't give up. I mean, this is the thing with our industry. It's, it's, it is kind of like, a, it's a, it's a weird dream that you have to like do this thing and you can make it happen, but it's like, you have to be patient and you have to just believe, you know, and some of it is, it's like, just be pleasant. And <laughs> I don't know, you know, it's a cutthroat business, but it's like, if you're a little kind, it, it goes a long way. You know? um, definitely, definitely. It, it, people will just remember you better for being pleasant and like, we'll want to bring you back. 
you know, that I think that happened with me. It's just like I could make jokes. It's like, you know, we're a bunch of weirdos in editing. It's like a lot of us are introverts and, uh, you know, and I definitely have that side of me where it's like, I just like being locked in my room all day and I don't want to talk to anybody, but you got to talk to people. Cause like I said, like 80% of this job is communicating with other people. <laughs> it's, it's your skills as you, you, as you're working, you know, self, but it's also just being able to talk to other people and uh, all that is really important. So hang in there. Yes. Yeah. Amazing advice. I mean, I look, I, this is what I tell everyone. I mean, I'm, I'm glad to hear it from you. I mean, uh, because it is true. It's all these things that, uh, especially, I mean, I'm glad you brought up the money part. Yeah. Because I think it's something that's not talked about enough. And I think it's important that we look at how we manage our finances. It's really important. I mean, you know, like when the market crashed, like I had a like three-year-old kid and like, you know, and I was the, the money maker of the family and my wife had to like take a weird job that like she hated and didn't want to do. But it was like... You know, it it just it was really hard, and you just do have to think about it. You know, because it's like the unknown of our industry is massive. So just hang on to your money. It's like put a little away for some fun because you do deserve it. <laughs> but you gotta save it up. <laughs> And really, it's just saving up my money, like enabled me to become an editor. It was just like, it really was. It was, uh, you know, and yes, it's like, I, I do remember after editing high art, I had to take an assistant job to get some money back because I had gone through all of my money and that money, you know, that movie paid like $500 a week or whatever it was. Uh, and that was fine. It was, you know, I saved up some money and then I got an editing job like right away. So you just putting yourself out there, but it's just like taking a step back isn't going to kill you, you know, especially if you, if, if you need the money, it's like, and a lot of us right now, especially during the pandemic, I mean, knock on wood that I got to work like the entire time, but it's like, I know there's so many people out there right now that, you know, taking a step backwards, isn't going to kill you right now. You'll meet more people. <laughs> it's like, Absolutely. Yeah. Think, about, think about the value. What is, you know, you're yeah. meeting more people, right? Maybe you're making less money, but you know what? You're meeting people. You're expanding your network. That's the value. Meeting people. And then it's like, you can just say, hey, can I cut a scene? Hey, can I do this? Hey. So I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. This episode, I think, is now has been like a masterclass about, you know, strategies and how to break into, you know, scripted TV. Anytime. And film editing. <laughs> it's great <laughs> advice, Amy, and I and appreciate you sharing all your knowledge. Yeah, I'm so glad to be able to, I, I'm, I'm always happy to share my knowledge because it's like, it's, it is vast. It's like, I've worked in this business now for over 30 years and it's like, I, it, it's, I have experienced pretty much everything that you can, like, I've been fired from so many jobs and, and just like, you know, some of it justly, some of it wrongly, some of it, you know, well, like, I've seen a lot of it. So, oh, I'm sure you've seen a lot, Amy. And again, thank you for sharing your knowledge with the Hollywood Editing Mentor community. Absolutely. Again, congrats on your work on Mayor of Easttown and on a great career. And of course, on your two Emmy nominations. We're going to be cheering you on at this year's Emmys. Thank you. Uh, Amy Dillison, AC, here on the Hollywood Editing Mentor podcast. Amy, have an excellent day. Thanks again. Thank you, Joaquin. You too. I appreciate it so much. What a great way to kick off season three of the Hollywood Editing Mentor podcast. Some amazing advice there from editor Amy Duddleston, ACE. I'm so glad she brought up the money thing because it's something I certainly had to pay attention to when I transitioned from unscripted to scripted. You know, I started to save as much money as possible so I could work on low-budget indie films that connected me with the right people and gave me the right experience on my resume. Thanks again for listening to episode 20 of the Hollywood Editing Mentor Podcast. That's 20 episodes. We're still here. We're still going strong. We're still growing this awesome community. So thank you. Thank you for all your support. Make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star review so this mentorship program can be a helpful resource to the post-production community around the world. My name is Joaquin Elizondo, the creator of the Hollywood Editing Mentor Program. Stay safe. Stay positive. Stay positive.